Uh, today is week two of our series, uh, Do What Makes You Holy, Not Happy, or God Wants You to Be Holy, Not Happy. It's a series on the Ten Commandments. If you weren't here or didn't uh, watch online last week, I highly recommend you go back because it kind of sets the stage um, and kind of kind of gives like some background on why, for example, I don't call them the Ten Commandments. I call them the Ten Principles because I think that's a better rendering of the Hebrew. But if you, if you haven't done it, go back, check it out. Um, you can get uh, audio or video uh, from our website, coastbible.org. But let's, uh, let's jump in. This is the, three, the first three commandments. Let's, uh, let's, let's read them. Oh, oh, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, last week, the takeaway, um, holiness is what makes happiness possible. Um, our culture is like, oh, go do what makes you happy, which is awesome. But it turns out that happiness is really hard to find. And uh, we saw last week, like, it, people are miserable in this culture. Um, and I suggested that the 10 principles are what make actual happiness, actual human flourishing possible. And we're going to see that today. So let's, uh, okay, now let's take a look at the text. This is Deuteronomy 5. You will have no other gods before me. You will not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. That's another way of saying anything at all, right? There's, there's up there, there's here, there's down there. None of it, none of it are you going to make an image or an idol or a god. And, and lastly, you will not wrongfully use the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And I, I know that's probably different from, if you're, if you've been church, that's different translation that you're used to, and, and I'll explain that when we get there. But let's, uh, let, let's jump into that first one. You will have no other gods before me. This, remember, what, what's, what's happening right now is, is God is telling the, the people of Israel, this is what you need to do and, and need to know before you move into the land, the promised land. They're going to move into Israel, and when they get there, they're going to need to have these ten principles. Why? Because there's other people there. Uh, there's already a whole bunch of people in, uh, in the land of Canaan, what will be Israel, and none of them know who the real God is. They, they have gods like Baal or Asheroth or um, Molech. And so when the people move into Israel, they're going to have neighbors. God knows uh, that they are going to have those neighbors and those neighbors are going to want them to kind of enjoy their gods too. They're going to want them to have uh, the gods of the culture as, as their gods. Uh, now, obviously, we, in, in our culture, we don't talk about gods. If there's anything, there's one god or there's no god. That's pretty much how people in the United States think about things, for the most part. Um, but, but, the human beings, as we know, are designed to worship. Um, and, and you will worship. There's, there's no stopping it. It's going to happen one way or another. The question is, who or what will you worship? And so we don't have Baal or Asheroth or Molech, but we do have science. I got this from Nacho Libre. I don't know. I, that's, that's racist. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do the accent. But I don't know why you always have to be judging me because I only believe in science. Um, that's What's Nacho Libre? What's his friend? What's his name? Do you remember? What is it? Okay, well, I don't know what his friend's name is. But Nacho Libre is, is a faithful Catholic. And uh, he's very upset. He's worried that his buddy's going to go to hell. And so he, he force baptizes him. Like when he's not looking, he's like, because he doesn't believe in God, he believes in science. 
Um, I don't, we don't do forced baptisms here. So you don't have to worry about me like running up behind you with a pool of water to save your soul. That's not going to happen. But isn't it weird though, um, really maybe the last five to 10 years, have you noticed that when people say the word science, you can almost hear them capitalizing the S like you can hear it. It's like, I trust the science. I believe in science. Uh, which is ironic because uh, actually the scientific method, what science is, is skepticism about what's real. Um, and so when you stop questioning it, it becomes the opposite of science. It becomes faith in a god. Um, it's an interesting type of faith, and it, it makes sense. I mean, have you seen? Has anyone seen those videos of the uh, the SpaceX rockets like landing? Have you seen this? They're crazy. If you have not seen this, you've got to look. The amount of, of math and engineering that it was required to make this huge rocket, like, come back to Earth and then land, it's insane. Like, we, and the thing is, it's crazy. You know, if this, if this were the 1960s or 70s, it would be on every ma- major news network. It would be, we would be all celebrating how incredible this is, what, what human beings have accomplished. And yet, at this point in our culture, most of us are just like, uh, yeah, of course we can, you know, land a rocket on an asteroid. Why wouldn't we? Because we trust the science. And you might have noticed that, that, that the people around you, the pagans around you, want you to trust the science too. And I'm not knocking science. I love science. Like I said, I love that SpaceX. I'm all about, you know, technology, engineering. I think it's fascinating. I love it. Um, but, but I get the sense that the people around me are starting to be like, like, no, 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 this is, this is the absolute truth. You need to, you need to bow before this. And when the scientists say something, you have to accept it. Whoa. It's a little uncomfortable for me. And so I think in our, in our pagan culture, I think that, that that's a movement that's happening. It's not just science. I've seen now, have you seen the cars uh, that have Ukrainian flags on the back of their, on their, the flags of Ukraine? Have you seen this? Fascinating to me. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I think that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is a horrible thing, and I, I, I really don't like what Russia's doing. But it, it very, it very quickly, it was like, suddenly now I'm supposed to be like 100% on board for whatever, you know, the government decides to do in the Ukraine. And I'm like, ah, maybe. It might be. I don't know. But I get the sense of like, hey, if you're not behind the newest war, you're a traitor. I'm like, <laughs> and it's reminded me of, it's reminded me of back, you know, 20 years ago when we invaded Iraq and Afghanistan. And I remember being told, this is what God wants us to do. And if you're not on board, or freedom, freedom, don't you get the sense that if you're against freedom, like you don't belong in this country, you get that sense, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And isn't it crazy how far freedom has gone in this country? Like the amount of freedom, personal freedom that every single one of us has is unimaginable to people just a hundred years ago. 
The things that we can do, the things that we can do to make us feel good or feel bad, uh, the things that we can do to each other, the things that we can do to babies, the things that we can do to our teens, it's crazy what we can do. Because there's a whispering in our ears from those around us, the pagans around us, that freedom, freedom is the highest good. And this is what Yahweh is warning us about. Yahweh knows that the Israelites are going to move into the land and there's going to be whispers. This, this, you need this. You need to be a part of this. If you're not a part of this, you don't belong here. And we can't get along. And we all want to get along, right? We want to be nice. We, want, no one, we don't want to offend anybody if we can avoid it, right? No one, not a lot of us are going around offending people. And so we, we and, and as a result, we're, we're constantly being messaged with these pagan gods. And so if we're going to kind of translate the first principle of um, God's first principle for us into like modern English, don't give allegiance to the current thing. Only God. Always. The funny thing about science is that if you trace the history of science, you see that there's, the, 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 Thomas Kuhn did this great book back in the, in the day, in the 70s or 80s, the structure of scientific revolutions. It's like whatever the science was, the science of the day was, you know, just wait 10, 20 years and it'll be completely the opposite. We're actually seeing this right now with um, the, the images from the, the, new, the, the web telescope. It's putting into, it's, it's causing astrophysicists headaches because it's, it's, it's showing things that they don't think it should be possible. And whatever the current thing is, whatever it is that, 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 that will help you fit in, that'll make it easier to be um, alongside the people around you, if you're not careful, that, that thing will slip in and it'll become God to you. And so that's a question. What, you know, what is the current thing? in our community, in our family. What are the pagan gods whispering? Uh, for you younger people, uh, teens especially, and um, early 20s, uh, the, the current thing is uh, gender confusion and sexual confusion. It's like, it's the current thing. Uh, and don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not some kind of like, you know, ignorant bigot. My cousin is uh, fully transitioned, uh, so I, I'm very aware of the realities, the scientific realities, as well as the cultural realities. And I can tell you that we've gone off the deep end. We have. And so I beg you, if it's something you're battling with, please come talk to me. If you're confused. What's the current thing for, you know, are, are, you know, snowy brick moms and moms in here. I think a lot of times, uh, this is the next question, uh, what, what, what are the status signals we buy into? A lot of times what um, makes, what turns into a God are, are the things that we think other people need to see about us, right? The way we present ourselves or the way that we come across. Um, and that causes us to do a lot, especially for women, but not just women, uh, especially for women. It causes us to do things and, and, to, and to sacrifice things in order to come to be what we expect everyone wants us to be or needs us to be. Do you see that picture of Madonna this week? Whoa. Her, six, her 60s are not treating her well. 
Why is that? Well, it's because Madonna cannot handle the idea of not being a sex symbol. And so she's willing to pay anything to try and retrieve that. It's not going very well for her. What is it that we think people need to see about us that we're successful, that we're wealthy, that we're in command or control of our lives? Guys, that tends to be us. Because the culture is telling you, if you don't have this new truck, what are people going to think about you? So don't buy into the current thing. But okay, so that's, that's what the, the pagans are, are whispering. Embrace our gods. What's the next thing that, that a God tells Israel? Um, back to the text. You will not make for yourself an image of anything. You see, the, the world around you, they're whispering in the gods, but here's the crazy thing. Even if you don't buy into their gods, you have something inside of you, Israel, Christians, where you desire to make a God for yourself. A God that you like. A God that supports the things that you support. Got a Adam Smith here. Adam Smith, uh, in 1776, the year of uh, American independence, he was a Scottish economist and philosopher. He published uh, Wealth of Nations in 1776. Um, Adam Smith was a really weird guy. He, uh, he would like talk to himself audibly, like in, around other people. Like, he had like an imaginary friend that he spoke to. One time he was uh, at tea with one of his, um, colleagues and, uh, he, he put, the sugar on the bread and he put the butter into the tea without noticing it, drank the tea and then said, that was the worst cup of tea I've ever had without understanding what had happened. He, uh, at night he would, um, he would just get up and walk out of the town, like in a reverie. And, uh, until the, he would just keep walking until he heard the bells of the town to remind him of where he was. And he was like, Oh my gosh, where am I? And then he'd be like, Oh, it's that direction. So he'd get back. He's a weird dude. But he introduced for the very first time the notion that money is not something created by a government, not something given by God. Money is actually something we make for ourselves. He, he was the first person to understand that every human being in some capacity or another can be productive. And whatever you do to produce, whatever production you make, that you're creating value. You're creating wealth. And so for the first time in human history, uh, wealth or the, the, uh, the ability to create wealth was something that every person could have. If you could find a way to make yourself valuable, you can monetize it. That, um, that principle, of course, um, not, that the principle of that, that principle of the Enlightenment era has, um, seeped into the West. And it's so deeply built that not only do we think that we can create wealth, we now believe that we can create our own happiness. Um, and there's a, there's a, a very close association usually with wealth and happiness. Uh, we tend to assume that, um, by having a lot of money, we can also have a lot of happiness. Uh, that's, Demonstrably not the case. I have a friend uh, in college uh, named Drew. 
he visits here whenever he's, uh, he's in the area. He lives in Atlanta. But um, he, he was a trust fund kid. And uh, he, his parents and grandparents had made more money than anyone could ever possibly spend. And so he went to the finest Phillips Andover, I think, some kind of crazy boarding school for high school. He was here at college. When he graduated from, from, from college, he, um, he gave away all of his money from his trust. Because, and I was like, true, that's crazy, man. Like, I mean, we're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars. He just gave it away. I'm like, dude, what? He's like, my parents are the richest people I know and the most miserable people I know. Do what makes you happy. You can create your own happiness. It may not be money for you. It might be something else, but you can create it, right? Wrong. God says, before you create your own idol, before you create your own God, stop. Don't give your allegiance to that. You give your allegiance to me. And that's the second principle. It should say second principle. Don't give allegiance to the happiness you make. Only God, always. And that goes back to what we talked about last week. Holiness, not giving your allegiance to happiness, is what makes actual, true, real, thriving, flourishing happiness possible. And so there's, there's the question, right? What do you make? What do we make? What have you made? For some people here, you've made a business. You've, uh, you started with, I know a lot of the guys here have, have done this where it blows my mind. I can't even imagine, but, but have, have created this thing. And that's awesome. It's not a bad thing. I think it's great that you did that. But that's the next question. What do you do to make yourself happy? What do we do to make ourselves happy? Well, um, I eat carbs to make myself happy. And I found out this week that that is not going well for me. Um, I was in the ER and I found out that my heart's okay, probably. Um, but I've got the diabetes and the high blood pressure and the high cholesterol. There's other things I do to make me happy, but uh, that's one of them. What do you do? And this is the big question. Has it become a God? Here's how you can find out. Okay, so for me, um, with the diabetes, it's like, okay, supposedly this can be reversible. But in order to do it, I must never touch a carb again. Eat lettuce and salmon for the rest of my life. How hard is that for me? Really hard. <laughs> the kid, they're selling donuts and cookies today. Kids are rocking in the donuts. I'm like, <laughs> nope. The, the way to find out uh, what, what, if something's turning into a God for you is go without it or try. If it's money, so maybe, maybe money is your thing. Be extremely generous. 
How hard is that for you? If it's really hard, look out. If being put together and being, um, you know, beautiful or whatever, if that's your thing, try. Try to be with people and not do that. If busyness and accomplishing and achieving and, and, and getting to the next level, if that, go ahead and fail. See how hard that is for you. Whatever it is that makes you happy, try to push it away for a little bit. And if you can't, you've made a God. Now let's look at the last uh, bit here. Um, You will not wrongfully use the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The, the, the Hebrew there for, um, you, you probably remember, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain, right? Most of us have heard that. Uh, that's the traditional, um, translation. And that word vain in, in behind it in Hebrew is, is the word show. Um, and show does mean nothingness, vanity, but it also means, um, wickedness or, or misuse. It can also mean that. And the reason that's important is because when we hear don't take the Lord's name in vain, we, we, we think, or I'm, I'm assuming most of us think, don't say God damn it or Jesus H. Christ. That's what that means to us. Like don't, don't, don't take God's name and, and use it in a way that is, that is less than, than reverent. Okay? Now that's true. You, that is right. We should not take God's name in a way that's less than, than reverent. I agree with that. However, the, the Hebrew literally is something like, do not lift up the name of the Lord for wrongness. Do not lift up the name of the Lord for, for nothingness or wickedness. And that's a much different thing. It includes, don't swear, but it's beyond that. It's, and, and I think maybe more important than the swearing aspect is the, the idea that we might apply God's name to things that God should not be associated with. Now, today is the Super Bowl. Are we all excited? I was excited, but uh, now there will be no nachos for me. So, what's that? Lettuce wraps. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of uh, baseball fans here. It's important to know and recognize that baseball is a far inferior sport to football. Football is easily the best, maybe up there with basketball. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason. Um, do you know where uh, baseballs are made? Louisville. China, everything's made in China. Uh, baseballs are actually made in Costa Rica. Um, they're hand stitched. Uh, they pay the, the workers a dollar sixty an hour, which is actually higher than, than most wages in Costa Rica. Uh, but they're hand, do you know where Wilson footballs are made? I'm sorry. Russia. No. Ada footballs are genuinely made in the USA. One of the last things, a little town in Ohio called Ada. Ada, Ohio, they have been hand-making Wilson footballs made in the USA since 1941. And so if you're a patriot, if you love this country, you have to hate baseball and love football. Because made in the USA. Did you know that uh, 62% of Americans 
um, 62% of Americans say that they uh, prefer a product that's made in the USA. 62%. Uh, that, that jumps to 77% for our coasters. If you're over the age of 55, uh, 77% of you uh, want something made in America. In fact, uh, when the news came out that everything was made in China, and we were like, we need some manufacturing here. Uh, a whole bunch of people were, were polled, and 80% of Americans said they'd pay a little extra to make sure that it was made in America. So what's going to happen today while we're watching the football? Uh, they're going to... There's going to be like a million commercials, and they spend millions and millions of dollars, and a lot of them are going to play into, this is America. If you want to be an American, you need a Chevy Silverado. Made in Mexico. It's true. I'm making it up. You want to be an American? You need to buy your daughter an American girl doll. Made in China. True fact. Barbie, too, if you know that. You need to drink Budweiser beer. Uh, that is actually mostly made in America, but they got, they got breweries all over now. It's, uh, you need to shave with Gillette. The best a man can get. Gillette Stadium, home of the Patriots. Gillette razors made in Italy and China. Why is that? What's the point here? The point is, uh, branding is really important to us. We want to believe that um, that that we're doing something for our you know, neighbors and friends when we consume, and so we consume things that are American, patriotic. The same thing happens with God. We want to believe that God's brand is on everything we do or say or think. We want to believe that God's behind us when we go to war. We want to believe that God is inspiring us when we do certain types of activities. We want to believe that we're in obedience to God's will and command when we do things. But just like the Made in America label, the God label gets misused. Ancient people, they they said that God was behind everything that they did. And they were very often wrong. And we do the same thing. So we'll talk about, you know, where's God leading us? God's leading us here. Is he? Because if you're wrong, you're invoking the creator of the universe, the holiest of the holies, to put his stamp of approval on whatever you want. I wonder, I wonder what that's like for God. That's the third principle. Don't call it God's will unless it really is. And there are ways to be sure. The the most important is communal discernment. If something uh, seems, in Acts 15, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. We, we, we work together to, to, to figure out where the Spirit is going. It's not just a lone cowboy, I, I, God talked to me and so I know what's up. That's not how it works. It works in community. Now, so you got the first principle. Don't swear your allegiance to the current thing. The second principle, don't, you know, don't swear allegiance to what makes you happy. The third one, don't put God's name on it unless it's really something God's up to and God's doing. 
Why are these principles so important? It's not just because there's right and wrong. It's because if those principles are followed by a community, that community will thrive and flourish. A community where everybody puts God first, puts their personal happiness second, and we're willing to wait until they're certain that God's doing something. A community like that is going to be one where human happiness is possible again. It's counterintuitive because we've been told, do what makes you happy. But the truth is, is that, for example, not everyone here is always going to have God first. Some of us are going to slip up into idolatry. It's going to happen. But if this place is characterized by God first, and that's something that we as a community aspire to, then we will correct each other and we will transform into a united front, all of us aiming at the same things. That's when flourishing happens. That's when happiness happens. If all of us take our personal happiness and set that second and say, I'm not going to let that be my God, guess what? We're going to be focused more on each other and on God, and that will make us happier. And if we don't call out every single thing, this is God's will for you, this is God's will for you, this is where the Spirit's leading. If instead we work together to discern where God is going, then we will have no division. And then we can be happy. I think we're actually doing a pretty good job for the most part. I think that these are principles that we do as a community uphold. Doesn't mean we don't slip up. Doesn't mean we don't have make mistakes. Um, but these are principles, I think, that generally characterize this congregation. And if some, a couple of these principles are hard for you, if you're a little, then this is your moment to, to repent, to come back, to give up the carbs for a while, and see what happens when you reorient towards the king. And every time we do that, we are going to become holy. And then we can be happy. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you that you call us your children, that you've redeemed us by grace through faith alone, through Christ alone. You've made us new and you've given us life. But God, we don't want to be doing what makes us happy anymore. We want to do what makes us holy. We want to be set apart, a community of people that look the way you want communities of people to look, a place where humans reach their potential, where we thrive and flourish as only people who are in your holiness can. God, if the pagan gods are whispering in any ears, Lord, I pray that we'll shake them out, that we'll, we'll run away from them and come back to putting you first. If we're making gods for ourselves and, and seeking happiness in the things that we enjoy, God, I pray that we will let some of those things go, push them away, and put you first again. And God, any place where we're putting your name your stamp of approval, your brands on anything, God, I pray that it will be from you, out of your nature, out of your character, and not 
what we want. Make us holy, God. In Jesus' name, amen.